sustenance. They're not going to have wine or any derivative of wine, um, any alcoholic beverages, and they are going to allow their hair to grow. Um, this could take place, uh, the general period is a 30-day period, and in the Haftorah, which we're not going to talk about right now, but we have, of course, the classic Nazir, or not the classic Nazir, the unique Nazir, Shimshon, who has the lifetime of Nazirus, of being a Nazirite. So there is something interesting, a well-known uh, question that is brought up, and that is that at the end of the process of being a Nazir, the Nazir comes to the base of Megdash and brings a, a, some offerings. There's a whole ceremony. And one of the offerings is a Karban Chatas. Uh, what is the Karban Chatas? is a sin offering. And so there is already a Talmudic debate about the nature of this sin offering. What is the significance of this sin offering? So the Rambam, Maimonides, in Shemona Prakim, discusses, suggests the idea, and again, it's based on the Gemara, that there is a certain sin over here because the Nazir went ahead and ref, uh, refrained from enjoying some of the permitted pleasures of the world. As Jews, we do not believe in abstinence. We believe, as the Rambam writes, in this middle ground, in this ability to go ahead and somehow balance the pleasures of the world with uh, staying away and not being overindulgent in the pleasures of the world. And the purpose of the mitzvos is really to pave a path for us that allows us to live a balanced life. The Nazir goes ahead and tips the balance. He or she is too strict, too scrupulous. And that's the reason, it suggests the Rambam, that the Nazir goes ahead and actually has to bring a carbon chatas, a sin offering, because by being overly strict, that too is a sin. It's not an approach that we normally think about, but this is a very important idea that the Ramam is suggesting. Again, according to the Ramam, the goal of the mitzvos is to allow us to find that balance. That's why we do not believe in constant fasting, but we do have the laws of kosher, right? So what it does is it creates a certain balance. The Rambam's understanding is all of the mitzvos are meant to give us that balance. The Nazir, there's a certain allowance for an individual to take on some extra rules. Okay, now I'm going to not come into contact with the dead, and I'm not going to drink wine, and I'm going to allow my hair to grow. These are extra restrictions. And on the one hand, there is a place for such a thing. God allows for such a thing. But there's also a reminder that this mindset of going, of adding extra, is in some ways sinful. It's tipping the delicate balance of life. Okay, and it's an important idea. Again, maybe just to take a step back, just to appreciate the mindset from which a Nazir stems from. Uh, the commentators explain that the idea of a Nazir is that someone, you know, we've all experienced this on some level, is that we have these moments perhaps of inspiration of a certain intensity. We say, ah, I need to do more. I need to do something else, right? Do you remember, maybe you had a moment like that where you say, I need to do something. And so the Nazir is an expression of that. The Nazir says, okay, it's, it's a human trait to want to do more and to sometimes do something which is even a little bit crazy, um, right? Sometimes we're like, well, I'm just going to change my whole life around, right? So with the Nazir, the, the, the institution of Nazirus allows for a person to do so on a temporary fashion. What the Rambam suggesting is that, yeah, there's a place for that, but to recognize that that intensity is by definition unhealthy. So we, on the one hand, allow for it, and at the same time, the person brings a sin offering because on the, uh, it is on some way, in some way unhealthy. That's the Rambam's approach. The Ramban, who is a little bit more of an ascetic, takes a different approach. He suggests that the reason the Karban Chatas, the sin offering, is brought is for the exact opposite reason. He suggests that no, being a Nazir is awesome. It is amazing. Taking on these extra restrictions is a wonderful thing to do. The reason the Nazar brings the sin offering is because now he or she is done with that elevated stature of extra abstinence, and therefore a carbon chatas is necessary. 
Right? You see how these are two radically different worldviews. According to the Rambam, anything extra, even though it's sanctioned by the Torah, any extra stringencies, it's unhealthy. It's allowed, but it's unhealthy, and therefore you need to bring a sin offering. The Ramban is saying, no, it's amazing. It's good to take these extra stringencies on, and when a person stops, then they need to bring a carbon chatas. Okay, so two very different worldviews tucked into this law over here. Um, okay, let's, let's move on. Again, it's an overview. There's more to say about both these topics. Um, uh, there's much more to say about both these topics, but I want to just focus for the next couple of moments on uh, a short little passage in this very packed parsha, and that is the priestly blessings. The blessings are just on Shavuos. We had the Kohanim uh, give us a bracha. Yivarechecha Hashem v'yishmerecha. Yar Hashem panav elecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Hashem panav elecha v'yasem. Yisa Hashem panav elecha v'yasem lecha shalom. Right? Those blessings are the blessings the Kohanim give to us. Um, and they are found in this week's Parsha. And there is a commandment. If you go to Israel, you get the priestly blessings every day. It's pretty nice. Um, here in America, we only, at least for us Ash- Ashkenazim, we only get these blessings on the holidays. Um, and the commentators are kind of puzzled by the notion of receiving a blessing from people. It, it troubles them. You know, we live in a society where, uh, thanks mostly to Hasidic uh, thinking, the notion of getting a blessing from someone else has become uh, very much part of our culture. People are very much accustomed to it. But it's kind of a strange thing. I don't need you, a human being, to give me a blessing. I need to receive a blessing from God. God is the source of blessing, not human beings. Even if you're as holy as a priest or as holy as a grand rabbi, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, blessings come from God. So what is this idea of the Kohanim standing there and giving us a blessing? It, it, it's a little bit troubling, okay? Um, and uh, okay. So the Svas Emes, who himself is a Hasidic, one of the great Hasidic thinkers, suggests the following idea. And it's an idea which personally resonates a lot. Because I, I personally am troubled by the, you know, this, this uh, thing where people run after blessings and, and, you know, and they need to get a blessing from this rabbi and that rabbi and this rabbi. You know, we, it, it some way, it, it makes us feel like we're not directly connected to God. And, and we are directly connected to God. We pray directly to God. We don't pray to people. And we don't see people as being the source of our blessing, according to classical Jewish thought. So what's this whole notion of getting a blessing from someone else? So Svas Emes suggests that, you know, in order to be a recipient of a blessing... From God, one of the things that is necessary is a certain sense of humility, is a recognition that I am not the source of blessings, that that God is, that I am a recipient. I need to make myself humble. I need to open myself to recognize that, you know, my health is not in my hands. My wealth is not in my hands. My uh, academic abilities, they're not in my hands. Everything comes from someone else. By someone, I mean capital S or capital O. Someone meaning God. And so to practice that, to, to prepare ourselves to receive a blessing from God, we need to humble ourselves to other people as well. So what the Svas Emes is suggesting is that when we stand there with Birkas Kohanim, when the Kohanim, you know, they hold their hands out and they give us that blessing, us non-Kohanim, when we, when we are, you know, uh, standing there with our eyes closed or looking at the sitter and, and what, what we're supposed to be thinking about is saying, I am dependent on other people. I am depend. I am not self-made. I need others to help me. I need the Kohen to help me. And ultimately, that recognition that I am not self-sufficient, I am not self-made, that paves the way for me being able to humble myself before God and say, I need God to be able to help me. And by, allow- by creating that sense of humility, that, so to speak, creates a space for me to be able to receive blessings from Hashem. 
And so this idea of the Svas Emes for me flips the whole notion of getting a bracha. The truth is, people like myself who are troubled with getting brachos, maybe we are the ones who need brachos more than anyone else because we need to remind ourselves, meaning, you know, I, I would say like, I don't need you, but no, the answer is I do need you. I do need to get a blessing. Maybe I should be going to more rabbis to get blessings because in doing so, it's an exercise in reminding myself how how interdependent we are, how much I need other people. And certainly when the Kohanim stand there on, on the holidays, or again, you know, it depends where, on every day, and they bless us, what we are supposed to be thinking about is how dependent I am on others, and that is an exercise in recognizing how dependent I am on Hashem, which paves the way for me receiving blessings. Okay, so that's the idea behind blessings. I just now want to focus on the main theme of the, the priestly blessings, and that is that God shine His face upon us. Yair Hashem Panav Elecha Vichuneka. God shine His face upon us. What does this mean, God shine His face upon us? So I, I want to talk about a general idea when it comes to prayer, a very important idea when it comes to prayer. You know, ba- basic question. Does prayer work? Does prayer work? Right? Does prayer work? And, and I'll, let, let, me, let, me, let me reframe the question in the following fashion. Who are the wealthiest or healthiest people in the world? Are they Jews who pray? I don't think so. I don't think the top five wealthiest people, okay, Mark Zuckerberg's up there, uh, but it certainly ain't all Jews, right? So I'm not sure where the gates stand now because they just divided their, their wealth. Whatever it is, I'm telling you now, Jews are not, yeah, there's some wealthy Jews, I get it, but we are not necessarily the wealthiest people in the world or the most successful people in the world, despite the fact that Jews pray and pray three times a day and we're, we're not. So, so one could ask the question, like, what's the point of all this? Are we healthier than other people? Our diet's not always so healthy, but are, are Jews healthier because they say, Rafa'enu Hashem and Rafa, God should heal us? So what's going on over here? Does prayer work or does prayer not work? So I want to share with you an idea from the Baal HaTanya, and he suggests and explains what the idea of God's face is. And what we're saying in this prayer that Hashem should shine his face to you. What does that mean? Or we say that in Simshalom, in the blessing of peace at the end of the Shemona Esrei, that Kiva or Panecha Nasat Alanu, that God, you gave us all these gifts with your face. So what does the face of God mean? And I'll share with you a quick story. I shared with some of you in the past. Um, and that is many years ago, I worked in Camp NCSY Sports, which runs out of the Nair Israel campus in the summers. And it was back when Christy, Krispy Kreme uh, had unanimously uh, accepted uh, you know, kosher symbol. It was something that everyone ate. And in the evenings... In the evenings, there were some counselors who would come back every day with boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. And the campers would like be so excited. It was such a good way to connect to the campers. And at one point I turned to these guys, I'm like, what's the deal? Are you buying, are you spending your own money every night getting donuts for the kids? It's pretty nice. I mean, it's, 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 it's very impressive. It's very impressive. And I said, not exactly. So where are you getting these donuts from? Okay. So they told me, took, okay. And it goes like this. In the evenings, I forget the exact time, 9.30 or so, a little bit before closing time, Krispy Kreme Donuts, they have a policy. Uh, they have a policy really every couple of hours, you know, donuts at Krispy Kreme, if, for those of us who remember, they were very fresh and they were a little bit warm. They were, they were just so soft and moist. And the reason for that is because after a certain amount of time elapsed, they would throw the donuts out. They would throw the donuts out because they had to sell, they had to be a certain level of freshness. And towards the end of the day, they, they, they had to set, set times that they would throw the donuts out. And so these counselors went ahead and they went behind Krispy Kreme to the dumpster at Krispy Kreme. And after the donuts were thrown in the garbage, in a big black garbage bag, these guys would go to the dumpster, take the garbage bag out and bring it to the kids. Now, until that point, I would also enjoy the Krispy Kreme donuts that they would bring. 
But once I heard about where these donuts came from, despite the fact that the garbage bag, all it had was donuts, it wasn't really dirty, but there's something kind of gross about eating um, donuts from a garbage, isn't there, right? It's, it's just, it's kind of weird. I don't like eating things from a garbage. Thank God. It's not, you know, we don't have to do that. And so the donuts taste the same, but coming from the garbage, just not so good. Not so good. So explains the Balatanya. He doesn't use the same analogy, but that's exactly what's going on. He says, at the end of the day, God is giving, God, all the source of everything in the world is Hashem. We know that. There's only one source of all everything, and that is Hashem. Hashem is the source of everything that exists in the world, the good and the bad, for everyone, whether you pray, whether you don't pray. The difference between a person who prays and doesn't pray is that a person who doesn't pray is receiving from God, but they are, so to speak, receiving it me'achorayim. It's just basically God is throwing it out. God, God throws blessing into the world, and he puts it into the world, and some people are lucky, some people are fortunate, they get a whole lot of the stuff from the garbage bin. But it's from the garbage bin, right? When a person prays, what they do is they create a relationship with God. They are looking at God, and God is looking at them. So it might be the exact same donut or the exact same wealth or less wealth, but it doesn't matter. The bottom line is that someone who prays, the things they receive, they're receiving it panecha. They're receiving it with the light of God's face. God is looking at us and saying, here you go, my child. Here you go, my son. Here you go, my daughter. I'm giving you the exact same thing, but it's coming from a face-to-face relationship. That's why we pray. We are not going to be wealthier. We are not going to be healthier. We are not going to have more brains Right? We, could, we could debate and discuss all these points, but I, I'm, not so, I'm not sold on these things at all. The difference between someone who prays and someone who doesn't pray will not be able to be measured by any metrics that we have available to us. The difference between someone who prays and doesn't pray is that when God gives to us who pray, and God gives to everyone, but when God gives to us who pray, it is th- in the context of a relationship. God is facing us and saying and giving to us something with love. That is or panecha. That is the light of God's face that we are begging God for. We say, God, we know everyone gets from you. God gives to everyone. But what we want, God, is a relationship with you. We want you to give. doesn't matter what you give. What matters is that you are giving it to us with a shining smile. And that's the essence of this prayer. We ask God for a relationship. It's not about what we give, get. It's about who we're getting it from. We're asking God to shine his face to us and to give to us in the context of that relationship. Okay, there's a lot more to say about this Parsha. We got to move on. Time is up. Um, I want to remind everyone that there is no Parsha class tonight. We're taking a little break from our Thursday night Parsha class. Uh, Feel free for those who want to learn some more Tanakh. Feel free to join me and us on Shabbos. We are making our way through the book of Ayikra. We're starting Parsha's Tazria tonight, uh, this Shabbos. So it's a good time to start. Join us. Um, I think it'll be great. I'll see you all then. Have a great day. Have a great Shabbos. All the best. Bye-bye. Take care, everyone. Be well. Bye-bye.